0: Father in heaven, speak, teach, let your truth go into the innermost parts. Let this counsel us, not merely in how to pray for our pastors, but how to pray for one another, how to care for one another. After going through this verse tonight, we pray that our congregation here at Nu'uanu will be so much more in awe of what church is, the way we look at each other, the way we converse, the way we care, the way we hurt, the way we involve ourselves in one another's lives would be much more different, much more profound tonight after we have studied your word. So please do these things and so much more in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. So last week we began, it's an elders, it's a special call elders meeting. So pull up your chair, take your seat. We're going to sit back in on this elders meeting. And like I prayed, We can, even if you're not an elder or a pastor, you must take very careful note because these are just the normative attributes you want to have as a Christian, as a believer. And why we're doing one verse is I would say, so this is a special elders meeting. It's the last talk he's got with these boys and these boys, they've had three ish years together and they've already had some pretty, they're pretty tight. And you'll see at the end of the meeting, how tight they were. They had a hard time saying goodbye, but They've been through some drama together. They've been through some battles, some war together. Paul has got to see these guys come to the faith, fight sin, still fight sin, and press on. And now these are like his his soldiers, his colleagues. And so you got to feel the weight of this. And I want to mention in that, because it's not just a special called business or elders meeting, it's like the last talk. And I think if Paul... Were to only have like one sentence to say in this talk, like if, if he had to just leave right away and he could only say one thing, I think this would be the verse that he would send. This would be the sentence. This is like the heart of the talk. This is like the main point of what tr- Paul is trying to get across in this whole elders meeting. If he could send one text message and he was limited to a sentence, I would argue it's this verse. And so there are just so much big things about it that I just... I couldn't help myself and think to myself, we got to just do this one verse tonight. So let's continue on in this elders meeting and glean and learn as much as we can. Verse 28. So shifting the attention from himself now to them. Pay careful attention to yourselves. Careful attention. The word study is to turn your mind to. It's to be attentive, to give heed in such a way. It describes this picture of a ship that is sailing and you pull the ship over to dock it in order to physically renovate it and make sure it's all up to speed. That's this word. Careful attention. It's not just a quick glance to go. It's a pause, stop, look at that thing. Touch it. See if the engine is broken. See if the ship is running well. That's this kind of word. And it's a continuous state of it. When you're paying careful attention, according to this Greek word, it's you're constantly trying to be ready to figure out if there's anything that's going to hurt or harm the ship. That's this word. Careful attention. Or in other words, don't be all whatever about it. Strict. The opposite of strict is lax. Don't be like what Megan was saying in observation time. Just whatever. Frivolous. No, be strict. Strict about what? Pay careful attention to yourselves. To yourself. You got to imagine Paul looking at these men in the eye. Okay. Pay careful attention, brothers. Never mind everyone else right now. Like I'm saying to you, brother, sister. Never mind who's sitting next to you or behind you, who you came with, who invited you. No, pay careful attention to you right now, to yourselves. Paul is telling these pastors they are to have a strict self-watch. Here's the first point. Elders must cultivate a careful self-watch. Elders, pastors must, believers must cultivate a careful self-watch. Why? Why so strict, Paul? Why you got to use those kind of words? Why can't we just be easy on ourselves? Well, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16 says this, Paul writing to another pastor. Timothy, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Now he says this, persist in this. Meaning don't just pay attention to yourself one time, two times, three times. No, you got to persist in this, buddy. Keep on yourself. Why? For by doing so, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. That's why it's so strict, pastors. Because by doing so, you'll save yourself and your hearers. It was brought up in observation by Isaiah. How can the elders adequately care for the souls of others if their own souls need care? Right? Right? a close, careful watch on himself and what he teaches. And you got to persist. You got to keep at this, young pastors, young believers, old believers. I would say most especially old believers. Why this is so important and critical, Romans 2, 21 to 24 says this, you who teach others, don't you teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, are you committing adultery? You abhor idols, do you rob temples? You boast in the law and dishonor God by breaking the law. Then he says this, as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you not paying careful attention to yourself. Those outside the church, our friends, our family, our, our coworkers who we want to know Jesus. Can you imagine? Can you imagine deep down in their souls, what if they're actually really interested? What if they do want to know why you go to church all the time? What if they are pondering questions like, what is a Christian? How do I get saved? And can you imagine that your life would hinder them from wanting that? That by, by us being people who talk of Christ, but we don't walk these things. We don't pay careful attention to our lives, our behaviors, our choices, the things that we say, the things that we do, the things that we watch, the things that we support, the things that we like, the things that we dislike. We, we don't pay careful attention. That people around you that are watching you, can you imagine? Their souls get turned off to God because of you. That makes me sick to my stomach to think that a person on account of Chris Morales would say, yeah, I don't like go to church because of him. You heard that before? You've felt that before? You've had the hardest time re-getting yourself back into a church setting because there are people who have said they were Christians, but they lived like devils, and you were so confused. You've been there? See, this is the warning that Paul is giving to the pastors because especially the pastors. Isn't it difficult to swallow when you read those horrific headlines? Pastor so-and-so found with moral failure. Pastor so-and-so caught doing this. Pastor so-and-so is dot, dot, dot. That is fuel and ammunition for the enemy and the non-believer to say, "Uh aha, See, God, he lived just like me. I pray, I pray that by the grace of God, none of us would ever be a reason why someone has a hard time to come to God because we have not learned to pay careful attention to ourselves. Brothers and sisters, we need to learn to pray the prayer. Psalm 139, 23, 24. Search me, O God. Know my heart. See if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the ways everlasting. Paying careful attention to yourself is an art that needs to be learned. We don't automatically do it. You know what we automatically do? Pay attention to others. Right? How many times have you been sitting in a sermon? Oh, if Auntie was here. Oh, if Brada was here to hear that, if my wife only heard that, or if my, you know, how that's our instinct is others. But we need to learn, no, examine yourself. See, in the self-watch, we must learn to ask God to show us, what do you see? You know, Brother Isaiah asks, how, how do, what does that look like? How do you pay careful attention? Well, it begins by, by first allowing God to examine you. Don't just self-examine just existentially by you just thinking about you. Learn to pray what the psalmist prayed. Oh Lord, you examine me. You search me. What do you see, God? This is why devotional time is so critical, brothers and sisters. Do you set yourself up regularly, day to day, to examine yourself? Because if not, the temptation is that we're just We're going to go easy on ourselves. Richard Baxter says this in his book, Reformed Pastor. He says, take heed to yourselves, lest you should be void of the saving grace of God, which you offer others. Take heed of yourselves, lest you perish, while you're calling others to take heed of perishing. Take heed of yourselves, because many is a preacher now in hell that have a hundred times called upon his hearers to use the utmost care and diligence to escape it. Believe it, brethren. God never saved any man from being, for being a preacher, nor because he was an able preacher, but because he was a justified, sanctified man, faithful to the Master's word. So take heed of yourself first. I'm not saved because I'm a preacher, nor even if, if I could preach well. You're not saved because you serve and you give and you do all what it is you think you do for God and the church. That doesn't save you. Be careful. Pay careful attention to who you are. You are saved. We are saved purely by the grace of God. Faith in Christ. Nothing else. McShane writes in his letters, he's writing to this other fellow minister who's going to go on a trip and he's going to get ready to hone in on his languages and sharpen up on his studies. And he writes this letter to his friend who's another minister and he says, It is not great talents that God blesses so much as likeness to Jesus. Remember, a holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. You hear that? It's not great talents that God blesses, so much as likeness to Jesus. See, giftedness, guys, does not equate to godliness. Too often we are wowed by the giftedness of a believer or a preacher or whatever. Too often preachers, and I would be fall tempted to this, is to hide behind our giftings. To hide behind the microphone. Too often the worship leader will hide behind their singing. Just because people are gifted does not mean they are godly. This is why you must pay careful attention to yourselves. We get so wowed by it. I was just—I away preaching at another church for two weeks as they're sifting through candidates of who's going to be their main preaching pastor. And much of my admonition to them was, please be careful, go patient, don't be wowed by all the degrees. Don't be wowed by all the things you see on a paper. Because the pastorate, as we learned last week, it's more about who the man is, not what the man does. See, we don't need more hilarious ministers, though it's enjoyable when we can laugh together. I love Pastor Bob's humor, you know, but that's not what's necessary. We don't need more ministers who can hang multiple theological degrees in their study. What we need is holy ministers. We need preachers who practice what they preach. We need men who've been broken down and built up again and again and again by the gospel, so much so that they've learned the art of paying careful attention to themselves. A man, um, we don't need men who pretty up for the pulpit, okay, like this. I'm putting on my best shirt, wear a tie, and look all (laughs) Father God, we pray. You know, we don't need men in the pulpit who pretty up for the pulpit. And when they get down here, they go back to their carnal lives. Who who appear so passionate for God on a stage. But what about backstage? What about at home? We don't need pastors who have punch-in, punch-out cards, because there is no such thing for the pastorate. This is not like, okay, I'm gonna do this and I'm punch out in like a couple hours. See, something to understand about the vocation, beloved, is the pastorate, the elders, they can't separate their life and their vocation like other vocations can. My life, my personal life, will always be connected with my ministry. Charles Spurgeon said true ministers are always. Ministers. Sure, I can shut my phone off on a single day of the week, but I don't turn off being a servant of God. I don't serve off, turn off being his child. This is not what Christianity is, especially for the pastor. I, would love, I want to be clear in my conscience to dare any of you spy on me for a day. Spy on me. Don't let me know that you're watching. Go for it. Take my phone, take my computer, go have at it. Search it through and through all you want. I want that careful attention to my life. So much so open book. There's no hiding. Brother, sister, do you know that peace of living in the light? To give such careful heed to your personal holiness that really at night you sleep like a baby. Why? Because there's nothing to hide. It's a good life, you know, to walk in the light. And Paul is encouraging, no, not encouraging, he is urging these elders, you must cultivate a careful self. Watch. Isaiah asked, how do you do this? Well, let me give you one practical way. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Verse 5, when you pray, Don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room. Shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret. Hear this, your father who sees in secret. I care much more. I'm much more concerned about the man that I am in the private place than the man that is in public. Because that's the man that the Father sees and pays most careful attention. When you are all alone, and no one else but you and God is there, who are you? Pay attention to that person. That's the person the Father sees. You want to cultivate self-watch? Start in the secret place. Get alone. And pray. Get alone and read your Bible. Get alone before your God. And say, this is who I really am. Deal with me. Search me, oh God. Know my heart. You want to cultivate this? Start there. College students, the one year I was in college, and I say that not No hesitation. The one year though I was away when I did move out of my house, because I know some of you are in that season right now. You're approaching it. Some of you seniors and you all excited for get off, get out of the nest. It's an exciting time. I loved it. One of the great things I learned and took from it was when I went away for a year and moved out, I found out who I really was. God really showed me. See, who we are in secret is really who we are. Pay careful attention to that person. Second way to cultivate a self-watch is not just self-examination, but mutual examination. Notice he says, pay careful attention to yourselves. I do think he's speaking to them. They, they need to self-examine. But look, he's talking to the elders. There's a plurality. Watch out for each other. brothers. You know, that's what Paul was saying if he spoke pigeon. Care for each other, yourselves, hence the plurality of the pastorate. But these are principles we can take for ourselves as believers, because I'm telling you guys, by the grace of God, I was cultivating this in my life long before I even thought of being a pastor. When I was 15, I was right here in the second pew, crying my eyes out with brothers that I led worship with. Week in and week out, before we would get up and practice band, we would just confess sins and pray for each other. 15 years old, right there on the second pew, when it was wood, not cushioned like this. By the time I was 19, I resolved in my heart, by the grace of God, to want to have men in my life that I can let them open up and just shoot at me straight and pray for me week in, week out. I was praying with guys who were married, had children. I was this single teenager. And by the time in my mid-20s, when God called me into ministry, my heart craved it so much more. You know what's interesting? It was a lot harder to keep it up. That's why Paul says, be persistent. You know why? Because after a time, and as you grow older, especially if you're a leader and you start always looking out for others, what ends up happening is it's a lot more tempting to assume, I'm, I'm good. I'm all right. I've been doing this for years now. No, no, no. That's probably the moment when you need to watch out the most. Present day, I have three gracious groups of men that I meet with regularly. Some of them are in this room. I have the pastoral staff that I meet with regularly once a week which keeps my doctrine for the most part in check. I have some young men who are training in godliness that I meet with weekly. And I have some other brothers in the church who I meet with monthly that ask me the hard questions. How's your marriage? How are you husbanding? How's your fathering? How are your children? I want that. I want that so bad. I need that. We need that. Brothers, sisters, are you cultivating a self-watch? Are you self-examining yourself, you and the Lord? Do you have mutual examination? It will do us good to cultivate this in our lives. Let's keep moving on in the verse. Pay careful attention to yourselves. And to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Let's go slowly. All the flock. What is that? What's a flock? Lauren, that's what's up. The church people, a flock, the flock is sheep. Shepherds have sheep. He's borrowing language from Jesus. I'm the good shepherd. The sheep know my voice. Who is the sheep? What Lauren said, it is the church. It's God's people. Now, is he telling these others, okay, you got to watch all the flock in the world? Does that mean these brothers are accountable for all the, all the believers in Asia? Which certain people? The believers in Ephesus. The Ephesian church. Here's the point. Elders are to exercise oversight over the local church God has placed them in. This is important to understand. This is why church membership is so important. As a pastor of New Uanu Baptist Church, I am responsible and accountable for all the flock of New Uanu Baptist church i was away preaching at a church on the west side but i am not responsible for that flock look at it like this i have relatives in the house my mom my dad my mom my dad sorry dad dad mom and then my sister my nieces my brother-in-law and then i have extended family like my cousin right here brie dylan my cousins we're all family But am I responsible for Brie and Dylan doing their homework and what they're eating for food tonight? That's right, I'm not. Praise be to God. Am I responsible for them keeping up their grades and going to work on time and getting a pay? No. Praise be to God. Who's responsible for that? The authorities in their household. I have two children. I'm responsible for what they eat, how they behave. You see that, but does this make me any less family to Bree or Dylan? Does this make us any less brothers and sisters to the church on the west side? Or the church down there that preaches the gospel? No, we are all family. But there is a local accountability, a membership that each eldership is accountable for. This is just, I just want us to see this because he's telling these guys, brothers, you have a responsibility over the brothers and sisters in Ephesus. That's your flock. Just like in the Peter, the shepherds of God's flock that's among you. If only pastors would heed this more carefully. We're working on it. I don't want it to be so broad and general where I don't even know what is, who's the flock. One of the greatest spiritual dis- disciplines I've come to grow in love and the pastor is praying through the directory for you guys who are members of this church, but note this, he says elders there to exercise oversight over their local church, but notice it's the Holy spirit that made you overseers God appointed. And someone brought that up in observation time. I'm so thankful. This is not a man's appointing. The specificity of the sheep is very important. Every member, every sheep matters. But Paul adds a little bit more weightiness to this when he says the Holy Spirit, God made you overseer over that flock. Let's read on. So elders exercise oversight over the local church, God placed them in. And then he says this, to care for the church Of God. Did you hear that? Care for whose church? God's. Don't breeze over stuff like that. See, the elder is supposed to hear that and tremble. The elder is supposed to hear that and be like, wait, what's my church? No, it's not. Don't Don't you cross that line, brother. This is not your church as if you're one of the sheep. This is God's church. This thing ought to ring a little bit because if you're a part of this church, if you're a part of a church, if you're a believer, if you've placed your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you are God's. See, the elder must care for the church knowing the church belongs to God. You belong to God. Is your heart hearing that? That's who you belong to. Matthew 16, 18, he says, upon this rock, the rock of what? That you, the confession that I am the Christ, the son of the living God, Peter, on that rock, I'm going to build. And then Jesus says, my church, it's mine. Christian, child, have you forgotten who you belong to? Never forget this. 1 John says, oh, how great it is that the Father would lavish on us such amazing love that we would be called children of God. You crave belonging? Hurt sinner soul? You want to belong? To belong to God is the greatest belonging your soul could ever taste, ever know. See, when I come to church, when we come to church, there should be this awesome, elevating view of what we see here. These are not just church buddies. It's not just my church buddy. No, that's a that person belongs to God. That brother, that sister, that uncle, that auntie, they belong to, you belong to God. And the elders got to keep that at the forefront when they're caring for the church. Bombay, they're going to cross the line and start thinking that they, they belong to them. And this is when leadership starts to get abusive in authority. They domineer as if, no, you're my sheep. No, it's God's. This is so important. Romans 8, 9, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Implication, if you have the spirit of Christ, you belong to God. Romans 14, at the very end of verse 8, the believer says, So whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. I just want you to think of it for a little bit. That God is jealous over you the way a husband is jealous over his wife. That's why Paul says in Ephesians, husband, love your wives as Christ loves the church. You ever think about that? God's jealous over you like that because you're his? Gosh, that ought to put some fire in your devotional time. The Lord is my shepherd, my king, my God. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. You belong to God. And elders and future elders must never forget this about the church. And this is why many leaders have crossed the line. And then Paul puts a little bit more weight on it. Care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. Last point. Elders must care for the church knowing the price God paid. He obtained to purchase, to acquire, to buy a possession. How did he purchase the church? With his blood. You're a blood-bought bride. There is no greater price than in blood. When it says blood, it's by his death. He laid it down. And this is just noteworthy for exegesis. He says, God's church bought with his own blood. Wait, who shed his blood? What's his name? Jesus. That's right. Jesus is God. God's church he purchased with his blood. Well, whose blood is that? Jesus' blood. Jesus is God. There it is again. The God man, Jesus Christ. But I believe this is important to note because the blood bought bride of Christ, it does emphasize the value. This ought to be the heart and soul, the greatest motivation of a pastor or a Christian to discharge any kind of service and duty to the church. I mean, they are the bride of Christ that was bought by his blood. Unending, unwavering, eternal value. This is why the Lord's Supper is so important. We are to remind each other That man, the price God paid for us. When we look at each other, do you see each other as that precious? Because we easily forget, don't we? Paid in blood. If I asked you, to care if I was about to leave and go on a trip we're closing but if I was about to leave and go and say hey, can you um care for my can you watch, can you watch my surfboards I hope you would handle it with care I hope you would load it up in the car and watch out for you know put the sock on and you know I hope you'd handle it with care if I if I said I'm going away and I can you um can you care for my dogs I hope you would care I hope you'd you know feed them when it's time to feed walk them even exercise a little bit If I were to leave and go away and say, hey, can you care for my family, my wife, and my children? You see where I'm going with this? I hope that as I was going through that, there's an increase of concern based upon the value of the possession I'm asking you to care for. You see that? I hope you don't treat my wife and children the way you treat my surfboards. But now think, a blood-bought people care for that? Do we really realize how precious we are in Christ's eyes? You know, two questions will close that Jesus posed to the apostles. When he came to Saul, who is Paul, who is writing, who is doing this talk, in chapter 9 of Acts, he said this to Saul. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then he goes, "Oh, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus. Paul was a persecutor of the what? The church. Paul, why are you messing with me? Wait, what? Yeah, you mess with the church. You mess with me. John 21, Jesus asked Peter a question. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. He asked him three times. Do you love me? Yes, or the third time he's hurt. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know. What did he say every single time? Then feed and tend and care for my what? My sheep. Because if you love my sheep, you love me, Peter. You hurt my sheep, you hurt me, Paul. Do we really see how precious the church is? We are the blood-bought bride of Christ. It's an amazing thing. As we close, as we sing, as we fellowship tonight, Not just for the elder. The elder must take heed to this most, but give careful attention to yourselves, guys. Recognize who you are as a child of God. And please worship and relish in the idea that you are purchased with his blood. That is a guarantee. If you're shaky on your salvation, I hope tonight was an encouragement that you belong to his, and he bought you with his blood. Ain't nobody snatching you from his hands. I'll pray for us, um, Trev. Guys, if can just get we're gonna we're gonna close with a song of reflection before we wrap up the night. But I do want to encourage you guys to think as you, as we've looked at this one verse. Ask yourself some questions, but don't let it just be lingering thoughts and devotional thoughts. Like really, um, are you paying careful attention to yourself? Are you self-examining? Are you getting mutual examination? Do you have brothers and sisters in your lives to help keep watch? And remind yourself of what church is and who the church really is. We're the people of God, purchased in blood. Father, we pray that as we sing, you would allow these things to permeate itself to our soul. I think sometimes it's hard to believe, Lord, that we belong to you. We struggle with believing that we're ransomed and redeemed. But Jesus, you did come and you did live and you did die and you did rise and you did call everyone everywhere to repent and trust in you. And so God, because faith is a gift, would you give us that faith? Maybe even as we were studying tonight, souls already were examining themselves. And perhaps there are brothers and sisters, if they're very honest, who they are in the secret place is embarrassing. And we all know that full well. We all have done things in the shadows that none of us are proud of. And yet we are so amazed that we can run to a Savior who, in spite of our sin, who knows exactly what we're doing in the secret place, He, in love, sent His Son. He came and died for us, in spite of us. You demonstrated Your own love for us like this. Help us to see that. Let us respond to it. And so as we respond in song, please, if you need to confess your sins to Him tonight, you do that. And you plead the blood. Get right with God. And as we go from here, give careful attention. And let's do it together. We pray these things in your name. Amen.